Good morning, friends. It's good to be uh, back in church with you this morning. Uh, it's good to come and bring our hearts and lift our voices. And as we turn to the Word now, we, uh, um, as, as Matt prayed, we just uh, we want to hear from the Lord this morning. So it's, uh, it's the week after Easter, and uh, we had a, a beautiful service, several services last week. Uh, Good Friday and uh, Easter morning. Uh, we return now to our series in Hebrews, where we've uh, we've been journeying through the book of Hebrews, um, getting a lot out of it. I hope you're getting as much out of it as I am um, as we dig through this. So uh, we're up to chapter 5. Um, the, the, the appointed verses this morning were um, verses 5 through 10. As we, as we come to this this portion, though, uh, there's a transition in the book of Hebrews, so we're, we've, we've been going along, uh, and, and the author is, is teasing out some thoughts, and he's now in chapter 5, sort of wrapping up one section and moving to a new section. So I'm going to be reading uh, a few verses previous that sort of tie together, um, and so uh, I know that's not customary, um, but that's what we're doing. Um, we had focused a lot in early chapters on Jesus's divinity, and this particular section is highlighting Jesus's humanity. Uh, and uh, as we know, as we've been going through Hebrews, the, the overarching theme of the entire book is showing Jesus as better, uh, better than so many things that, uh, that the world has to offer, so many things uh, that we cling to, um, Jesus is better. And this morning, the 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 sort of global idea is that Jesus is a better human. Um, so we're focusing on Jesus' humanity, but not in terms of him being a human as we are, but him being a better human. So we're gonna, uh, we'll read this morning. We're going to read from chapter 2, uh, verses 17 and 18. Then we're going to skip to chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. And then we're going to read this morning's passage, uh, chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to start with verse 4 th- through verse 10. So if you would, uh, if you're able, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. Therefore he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted... He is able to help those who are being tempted. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, with, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Speaking of high priest, no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called, called by God, just as Aaron was. And so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he says also in another place, you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. 
In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So our, our roadmap this morning is uh, things that we're, that we're going to highlight as um, Jesus being the better human. Jesus was appointed, Jesus was tested, and Jesus was perfect. So Jesus was appointed. He was appointed to be the high priest. The Several of the verses that we read uh, designated that Jesus was appointed to be our high priest. Uh, I think this is interesting, uh, and it's something that it's not often highlighted. No one takes this honor of being a high priest to himself, but they're appointed when called by God. Uh, so this speaks of Jesus... Humility. We've we've read before, um, and, and and previously in Hebrews, there's been uh, so much to say about Jesus's humility, uh, and it harkens back. Um, always reminds me of second chapter of Philippians, and we've spoke about that. But Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. This was not something that he had to earn. He already was equal with God, but in his humanity, he allowed himself to be appointed. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, I'm going to take this role because I deserve it. He didn't put himself forward. He did not act out of his own ambition, but it was humility and submission as a human to be appointed to that role. These are things that, um, this is one of the ways that shows that he's a better human. Because we all, somewhere, on some level, act out of our own ambition. Um, and, and in some ways, it's, in some ways just necessary to survive. Um, if you want to get a job, you have to believe that you're able to do the job. And you have to go and sit in some interview and convince someone that you're going to be good for the job. Even if you don't really think you, maybe you could learn, but you, don't nece- but you have to say it. No, I can do it. Yeah, I can absolutely. Uh, that's not always the best way. I think it's... Uh, I think wisdom would say that it's, it's good to admit that this is something that you could learn. But that's not what the world teaches. Uh, but wisdom and righteousness are tied together. Proverbs 27 verse 2 says... <laughs> this is a fun morning. So these little windows that are open, a bird just tried to get in. And the window shut all by itself to keep the bird out. It was amazing. Uh, <coughs> I think he landed on the outside and then it shut. That's what happened. But. All right, so Proverbs 27.2 says, Let someone else praise you, not your own lips. All right, so the, the idea is that we're not supposed to, wisdom would say, you're not supposed to toot your own horn. You're not supposed to puff yourself up. <clears throat> and... Yes, these are social lessons, but these are spiritual lessons as well. So, uh, how does this apply to our own life? Um, the idea being, like, 
so we all went to school, and we all had, maybe some of you ever transferred schools, or if you never transferred schools, at least you knew someone who transferred into your school. And there's sort of two ways you can be the new kid on the playground, right? You can tell everyone how good you, good you are at something. Say, say for instance, uh, let's say you're good at soccer. And you could go in and, and you can introduce yourself to everybody and say, I'm so good at soccer, I'm going to be so good, you're going to love having me on the team. The difficulty is you might not know how good the people at that school are, and you really don't know how good you are. If you oversell yourself as a kid on the playground, you might end up being knocked down a few pegs, right? Versus just going in and saying, I would like to join your soccer team, and earning whatever spot that you land in. Now, Jesus actually taught a parable about that, didn't he? In, uh, in Luke chapter 14. Do you remember this story? Luke chapter 14. I'm only going to go there and read it. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose places of honor. So they're at a banquet and they're choosing places of honor. They're choosing the best seats in the house. He said to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Lest someone more distinguished than you be invited. And he who invited you will come he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you, will, then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. Instead, when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place, so that when the host comes, he can say to you, friend, move up higher, and then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. All right, so... These are real, applicable social lessons, but they have a spiritual significance. Because Jesus wasn't just someone who could speak wisdom, he was someone who lived wisdom. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity for someone to ask you for advice. And often when people ask me for advice, I have to start with the caveat, well, I'm not always good at this, but this is what you should do. Right? This is the, someone says, well, how do I, how do I make a budget? Well, <laughs> I know what you should do. I don't always live this well. You know, I, we have a little bit of credit card debt, but that's definitely something you should not do. And this is, uh, um, but when Jesus gives advice, he lives it because he's a better human. And he knows that it is not for a person to exalt themselves, but it is for a person to be exalted by someone else. That's why he didn't reach out and grasp for himself the role that he was entitled to as high priest, but he waited till he was appointed. Jesus was tempted. This is a comfort. This is meant as a comfort for us. Our high priest, as we read in, in the several verses that, uh, as this was mentioned, that our Our high priest is not someone who doesn't understand us. Our high priest is someone who understands us intimately, who was tested in every respect the way that we are. So we all face temptation, and we've all admittedly fallen short and given in to temptation. And Jesus has been tempted in every way that we are and beyond. Um... Daniel touched on this idea um, a few weeks ago 
referencing the same idea, that, that Jesus was tempted, but in a way that we don't understand. Because he withstood temptation for that much longer, that the temptation gets stronger. So uh, an, an easy way to, to think about this is if you, had a, um, if, if you put a child in a room, the way you know, psychologists do these tests all the time on people. And you put a child in a room with a cookie and say, don't eat the cookie. And then you leave the room and see how long it takes for the child to eat the cookie, right? So the child's being tempted to eat the cookie, right? So obviously there's some kids, as soon as the psychologist's back is turned, that cookie's in the mouth, right? We're done. That was, that was easy. Uh, well, how much temptation did that child resist? Not very much, right? Poof. Satisfied. Momentarily. Uh, but there's some children who are like, okay, I'm not going to eat the cookie. And they might wait a half hour, an hour. Now, if you're sitting in a room, empty room, with a cookie, you're getting hungry, right? I mean, uh, think about it. You're going to be looking at that cookie like, hmm, how long has this person gone? Are there cameras in this room? Uh, but the longer that goes, the hungrier you get, the more you are resisting temptation. The temptation that Jesus suffered was way more than a cookie. And it went infinite because there was no giving in. There was, he, never, he never bent. He never gave in to the temptation. And more so than just the temptation to, um, to, to do something that you shouldn't do, he was called to do something that he didn't want to do. He was called to action. He was called to action that was uh, painful. He was called to die on the cross for us. And as, as God, he could, he could do that. But as a human, he had to submit to that obedience. He had to, um, in humility and submission, go through that. And so uh, in our verse this morning, it says, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Jesus suffered temptation not just through his life the way that we do, but also the temptation of knowing that he was facing the cross. And most scholars would agree that the author here is referring to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus' suffering. If we go back to Luke chapter 22, this is what it says about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he, as he knew that the suffering and death was coming. And not just suffering and death, but betrayal and rejection and ridicule, scorn. Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. As Jesus approached the cross, he approached that ultimate test of his submission. He approached the... uh, the magnitude of the suffering and the rejection. He he approached being separated from his heavenly father. And as a human, it was painful. It was stressful. 
But even in that moment, his humility bore out in submission. So our, our comfort in that, in that is that not only does Jesus understand our temptations to sin, he also understands the pain of obedience. Following, following Jesus isn't always easy. Sometimes following Jesus means giving up something that we'd rather have for ourselves. It means putting others' needs and wants before our own. It means putting aside ambition. And none of those things are better than Jesus. Jesus resisted temptation, and he followed in humble obedience perfectly. Jesus was perfect. Although he was a son, it says, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus was perfect for us. He's our perfect high priest who understands our failures, understands the pain of obedience. But his perfection wasn't for his own sake. His perfection was for our sake. Because it says in verse 9, he became the source of our salvation. In chapter 2, verse 11, we read moments ago, He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source, Jesus. He's not just the source of our salvation. He's the source of our sanctification. He's the source of of the strength that we have to resist temptation. He's the source of the strength that we have to humbly obey. He's the source of our confidence. As we read in chapter 4. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace and find help in time of need. Jesus was a better human. Because he was a better human, he was a better, he is a better priest. He calls us to a better life. A life of humility and submission. Because he was a better high priest. Because he is a better high priest. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Despite our shortcomings. Despite our ambition. Despite our failures. Despite our fears. Because a better human went ahead and prepared the way. Because a better high priest is our advocate in heaven. This Sunday, as every Sunday, we remember the death of Christ. We remember his body broken and his blood shed for us. And we can approach this memorial with confidence. Because a better high priest... brings us in. Let us pray.
Father, we thank you for sending your son to be an example, not just in word, but in deed. To be an example of not just a better human, but the best human. God, we fail. We fall for temptation. We reject obedience. Thank you for taking our sin upon you. And thank you for making a way for us to receive grace and mercy from your throne. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.